Welcome back, Runners on Trail, the Trail Running Podcast by me, Pat Runners. For me, Pat Runners. My name's Thane. And I'm Anthony. And this is episode six of our series of podcasts on the Cape Roth Ultra. Day six was the longest day when we ran 72 kilometres from Inverbroom to Inknadump. So welcome back. We're pumping them out slowly. <laughs> slowly. <laughs> Very slowly. If we're lucky, we'll have got them out before the next Cape Roth Ultra. Do you think? Well, hopefully. At this rate, only just. Yeah, I know. So day six of the Cape Roth Ultra, as we mentioned at the end of the last podcast, is the longest day. It's 45 miles. And I can't remember exactly what the cutoffs are, but I can remember looking at them there's three checkpoints, and I can remember looking at the times for sort of checkpoint, especially checkpoint one to checkpoint two, and thinking, no, that's just not that. No, yeah, no, that, I, I know how fast I've been running the last week. I can't do that. And I started out at the camp, and it was a bit wet and miserable. But I'd been chatting to someone before I went to the start gate, and it's classic. Got to the start gate, started running, and realised that because I've been chatting to someone, I've forgotten to go and fill my water bottles up. <laughs> And I had no water at all. And I was about a mile down the a road. A mile down? Oh, okay. Not yeah. just a couple of hundred. No, no, no. I could have gone back, I guess. But I was a mile down the road. But look, the, the thing about Cape Roth is that it's in Scotland, right? And it's wet. And as we've talked about, this race was very wet. And so I kind of banked on the fact that I'd come across something. Like a stream. Like a stream or a runoff. And because I had a water filter built into my bottles, I thought, mm. oh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But, you know, think about this stuff. Have a routine. Have it have it written down or something. And within a couple of miles, I found a stream that I could scoop some water out of. And that can be going until the first river crossing, I think. Uh, you do a really big climb up a track. It's all it's steep but doable. And then you hit a big, boggy, tussocky Difficult running. Yeah, although I can remember, again, we talked about running down a hill and going, oh, I'm not sure about my footing. Oh, it doesn't matter because it's so wet. And yeah. falling over a few times and bouncing and sliding down the hill. Yeah, and, yeah. and everything was good. Did a couple of river crossings. And then this is, there are then these big lumps of earth with big proper bogs between them. And you're trying to pick your way around them like some marshes in the Lord of the Rings. And you yeah. go one bit and go, no, I can't get across that and backtrack and go on. Mm-hmm. There's a lovely bit going alongside a river and it's actually stunningly beautiful and there's waterfalls and you're looking around going, oh, I could camp there. Oh, that'd be <laughs> nice. You know, but whilst at the same time pushing yourself as hard as you can. And then we got to the first checkpoint, 17, 18 kilometres in good time. And then I suddenly realised that the rest of the run to where the next checkpoint was, which I think was 35 kilometres, was all going to be on fire track, oh, uh, right. four by four track. And all of a sudden, of course, your speed went through the roof. And this was the bit where you were worried about. This is the bit I was worried about. Okay. Yeah, and and so I ran and ran and ran, and then after a bit, I got tired, so I started sort of speed hiking with poles. Yeah. And I was knocking out about six kilometres an hour, which was fine, Mm -hmm. and it was all good apart from the fact that it was just honking weather. It was lashing it down again, and once again, it just made you think about good kit, and so this is probably a good time to bring in. One of my fellow runners, a guy called Wade, who came across from Canada, to hear his thoughts on weather and kit. I think that uh, at the end of the day, it really affects your preparation before you actually head out. Eight days of rain, obviously, it's going to change. You know how you manage your feet, yeah, your clothing, 
and thinking ahead a little bit about uh, what you're going to do if you start to struggle. Like when you're moving quickly, you know, you'll have certain gear, but if you start to slow down, you need to have enough to make sure you're safe and not putting other people at risk because, you know, you're either getting hypothermic um, or you just don't have what you need to get through the day. So for the most part, I think it's also can affect you mentally. Like the weather can really wear on people when it's raining, raining, raining. And you really have to find like the reasons that you came in the first place. Uh, no, nobody signed up. I hope nobody signed up to do a race in Scotland, thinking they were going to be in, you know, Mexico. There's going to be sunny beach runs. So, you know, you just have to remind yourself why you're there. And, and really, when you're moving, it doesn't matter if it's raining or not. So, I think it's it's the the mental part and the physical part both. And if you had to tell people one bit of kit you tell them to bring for Cape Roth, what would it be? Really awesome rain pants um, and, a, and a good jacket. I think like basic, like that's, you know, running in the rain 101. But the rain pants are, are I think, a thing that sometimes people don't pay enough attention to uh, because they just, most of the time, running shorts or, or tights. I just think, oh, I'll slip something over top, it'll be fine. But when it gets really bad and really cold, like a really solid uh, uh, pair of rain pants can, can be the difference between finishing and not. So look, that was Wade, and he's kind of echoed what everybody has said, yeah. good waterproofs. And it did make such a difference. I had on a really solid set of waterproofs that day, Outkit Parallax trousers, my balance jacket, which is 400 grams. Mm -hmm. you know, nothing was getting through it, and it felt great. That said, the water and the terrain and things takes it out of you. And they interviewed me as part of the – they do a video every day. Yeah. And they interviewed me, and I was on the video that night. And when you watch the video, it says – I want to finish in under 10 hours that day and anything else is a bonus. That'd be pretty arrogant on that stage because it was the longest stage and it was honking. What I actually meant was I want to finish by 10 o'clock at night. Yes. And it was, that's the cutoff and anything else is a bonus. But, you know, we talked about this before. You're tired. Mm. You're wet. You're not thinking straight. Yeah. It just shows how you, your brain doesn't quite function yeah. as well as it should. Yeah. So how long did it take you on that day? So that day I finished at, I'm going to say... 7.30, okay. so what would that be? 12 and a half hours, which was not unexpected, really. Mm. And how long did you have for the, you know, to complete it in? The whole stage? Yeah. Well, till 10 o'clock at night. Okay. Yeah, so, okay. so not a huge amount of spare. No. And it's the same every day. You know, that's yeah. why you want to get out at 7 o'clock. That day I've been queued up in the pen, properly in the pen, yeah, with yeah. everyone else, you know, waiting yeah. for them to go, and you, could, they, you know, the flag goes up and off you go. And do they allow you to go just as a mass bunch yeah okay so there's no like right we've got to you know we're just going to let you go over the course of five minutes or anything no not at all um they, they asked the faster runners to start slightly later mm. but other than that no was there any you said they're on the the map around not knowing a bit of it was fire track in, in reflection on the map could you have told that it was fire track yes or? yeah i just wasn't really getting the map out and looking at it as much okay. as i probably should have done okay so but it was in the fine detail was it an ordnance survey it's a harvey map Oh, one one in okay. 40 Harvey map. Okay. So, and you have to carry it. Yeah. It's compulsory. They check that you've got it. It's mm. that year's map as well because the course changes subtly. Oh, yes, because they do it for the race. It's, it's a specific yes. Cape Roth yep. Ultra race map. But I did have the old, the one from the year before, and I had kind of done rec mental recce's in my head. But there are people who are doing much more than that and doing it really well. All I had really on, was on my phone was where the checkpoints were and what mm. the time cutoffs were. So I got to the checkpoint two actually in plenty of time. Enough time, put it this way, to stop, do some selfies with the crew, have a chat. Is this after the long section? After the long section, okay. yeah, after the 35k. And the weather started to clear up, and it's like, 
Yay! Lovely weather. And all of a sudden I was on fast track, lovely weather, mm. thinking this is awesome. And you go through a big forest and then down onto a sort of big plain with salmon rivers and there's salmon fishing huts yeah. and all that sort of stuff. And I was going along thinking, this is great. This is brilliant. And I got to about 10k from the end going, yeah, it's amazing. And it just went from solid track to bog fest, <laughs> proper bog fest. And for the second time in the race, I kind of neglected my nutrition a bit. Right. And there's a massive climb Yeah. at the end of day six. It's really steep. And I utterly and totally bonked. Okay. I've never bonked like I bonked that day. Yeah. Where I was literally taking five or ten paces up the hill and having to stop for 20 seconds. Right. Okay, uh, it completely was, drained. Completely, and, and, and taken some gels oh, or whatever before you. Yeah, I should. Have, and I was trying to pump gels into me, but it was going to take time for yeah, me to kick in. I have. I lost count of how many people went past me, but there were loads, mm. and people were stopping. Are you all right? No, not really. <laughs> but there's nothing you could do to help me. I've just got to crawl my way home. And then once I got to the top of that, there's a, a long, gentle descent down to the camp, and had a load of food, and I felt good. And everything was great. And that was day six. I mean, there, there isn't that much to say about day six, I think, compared to the other days. There is some boggy sections. You do have to keep pushing. But I did walk a mm. huge amount of it. Mm. And I'd say there's a river crossing. After checkpoint one, you ran on the fire track a bit. There was a river crossing. And then there was the bit where they interviewed me on the video. And I don't think I ran anything else for the rest of that day okay i think i speed hiked everything now i had the poles going and said i was knocking out about six kilometers an hour yeah it's a fair pace isn't it like 3.8 miles an hour or something like whatever that. it is yeah. yeah um and that was good uh, i want to apologize to nicole she and i had a really good chat while we were walking along but my fat fingers clearly did it all wrong on the podcast recorder so i have none of her interview <laughs> um but she was from scotland having a really good time sorry, nicole. yeah sorry nicole but I, all I would say about that day is I think they're right. People look at it and say it's the longest day and worry about it. Just that first bit, I think that first 17K was a bit messy. But after that, it's and that last bit, 10K yeah. was a little bit boggy, but the rest of it was yeah. absolutely lovely. And yeah, I don't think people should worry about that day as much as I did. Yeah. So we got to the camp. As I said, I had lots of food, had my nightly trip to the toilets and headed off to bed at a reasonable hour. I had... Spent the day before, I think I talked about in the last episode, because I got there really early, pre-cutting all the tape I needed for the next mm. three days. And that mm. was a godsend. Because I literally got into the tent, having yeah. dried my feet out before I went for food, got back, they were all in good condition, just got my tape out, and I had it in, in sort of sets. And I could tell from the shape and where everything went. I slapped it on, probably took me 10 minutes, and then I was in bed and asleep. And what oh. tape were you using? So I used... So you have to take... Five meters of KT tape. KT tape, yeah. So you might as well use it, otherwise you're just carrying it for no reason, right? So I used KT tape and a combination of KT tape and fleecy web. Okay, so what they do on spines. Yeah, so some places were just KT tape, yeah, just to stop some rubbing. Yeah. And places where I felt they were getting a bit bashed mm. as I was running, and therefore I put the fleecy web in there for a bit of padding. Yeah. Yeah, as I said, what I would advise everyone to do is to watch the feet video they have mm. on the Kate Roth Ultra website mm. because I watched it on how to tape your feet, when to tape your feet, and it was absolutely a godsend. Mm -hmm. 
because whilst I didn't use some of the techniques and stuff they did, I did use certain stuff and they taught you how to cut tape in certain shapes to fit around bits of your foot and how that would make it stay on better. And my tape pretty much stayed on the whole time mm. when I used their methods. When I used my old bodgy methods, the tape was falling off. So yeah. definitely worth doing. Yeah, absolutely worth doing. In case we've not mentioned it until now, so who were you in a tent with? Ah, now? right, of course. I don't know if we've said that. My first tent was tent 20. And I was with Simon and Susan and Paul and Kate and Amanda and Malcolm. And Paul and Amanda decided to carry on with the race, even though they'd been cut. And then on day four, I got changed tents and put back into a full tent again. Yeah. And I don't know if they did it on purpose, but Paul and Amanda were in that tent with me. So I had some people who I'd been with before. And then there was Tim and Lisa and they were across from America. And then uh, Martin and Marshall. Yeah, who were running the race, they were both really good. <laughs> you know, they were people each day. You turn... We won't talk about them. Well, no, 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 absolutely we won't talk about them because you turn up each day, you know, and i get in the tent and they'd be they'd, they'd have done their admin, they'd have done everything, they'd already be in bed half the time when you, when you go into camp at sort of, you know, six o'clock in the evening and they'd have done everything and be off. Um, yeah, so they, they were very, very talented runners. But that was nice, you know. Mm. Um, and there was still that thing of shared camaraderie You've all done the same journey. Absolutely. And there was never any issues. There was never any clashes with people. That, that central bit of the tent where everyone's trying to do their admin and stuff, you could see how it could turn into a bit of friction if people, you know, maybe spread themselves out a bit too much or anything like that. And that never happened at all. It all worked really, really well. So the tent, was this a kind of a, a bell tent with bells on the side? Uh, so uh, you, you go in the door, area. you go in the door, there's a big living, there's like a central living area. And then on each side is a sleeping area that effectively holds four people but with a curtain down the middle of it so okay. effectively it's two of you in each of the bits of the area yes. but, you, but, but for example in tent one where there are only three of us on one side we took out the central curtain so we could just yes. spread out a bit this more. is just one that just hangs down and yeah. it just provides a bit of a privacy curtain more that's than right else. yeah absolutely but you had that central area so you were zipped away yeah understood but okay. actually we left the doors open most nights in our yeah. sleeping areas just because you've got better ventilation. Yeah, yeah. And a bit less dampness and things. If someone needs to go for a wee in the night. Well, that's one less zip to go zip. off, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. The one thing we did do, everyone left their shoes outside the tent. So yeah. you can expect to not really be... It's not that you're not allowed, I guess. It's just not done thing. So yeah. your shoes are permanently wet because they're getting rained on. Yeah, yeah. Overnight and stuff. And so that's fine. They're never going to dry out. No, right? but just expect it. You know, don't expect to have dry shoes. So look, so that was it. Went to bed. And I can remember thinking to myself, one more big day. You've yeah. only got to do tomorrow because, you know, if the first day was like the prologue of the Tour de France, the last day of Cape Loth Ultra is supposed to be like the bit where they're cycling around. Um, <laughs> drinking champagne. Drinking champagne around the Champs-Élysées, <laughs> exactly. Um, and whilst I didn't think there was going to be any champagne on offer, that's kind of the yeah. amount of time you have to complete that stage compared to the distance. Yeah. It should almost feel like that. Yes. Yeah. And you're going to be full of adrenaline and you don't care. You're just going to. Well, and you're going to push yeah. yourself to, to bits. Yeah. yeah. So I went to bed kind of nerve again, really nervous thinking one more day. I don't, you can't fail now. You can't fail mm -hmm. now. So the one thing I did notice at the end of day six was what I thought the beginnings of shin splints. So my right leg. sharp pains right down the front of your lower leg. Yeah. And I went to see the medics who I'd already seen about my back and said, what should I do about it? And they did a quick bit of diagnosis and rubbed a bit of ibuprofen gel on it and put some tape on it that they said might help. Mm -hmm. 
in my head, I'm thinking, yeah, I reckon they're probably just doing that. It's, probably yeah, all, yeah, yeah. it's all for the mind. I'm not sure it's going to have any effect yeah, at all, yeah. but I'll put it on anyway. What's the worst that can happen? And there was this bit of I suddenly looking around myself and I've got this tape up my back to support my back. Mm -hmm. I've got tape down my shins. My feet are covered in various bits of tape that have been mm -hmm. added on through the week. And you suddenly realise, oh, this is pretty attritional now, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's really starting to take an effect on me. Not as much of an effect as I realised, though, and we'll talk about that in the next episode. Runners on trail.